If you open your Bibles, please, to the book of Isaiah chapter number 50. Isaiah chapter number 50. What I'm going to read to you now was written 2,700 years ago. You think about that. And when you read it, it's, it's right now. I mean, it's something that's real to us. And here I stand in Johnson County. And uh, in February 2010, to read something that was written over 2,700 years ago. And what a glorious truth it is. And it's real to us today. And I want to share this with you this morning. From chapter 40 to the end of Isaiah, uh, 40 through chapter 66, it deals with our Savior especially and what a wonderful passage it is. We dealt last Sunday with chapter number 49, and I'll not be quite as long this morning, the Lord willing. But in this passage of Scripture, once again, we are learning wonderful truths about our Lord. The Lord Jesus Christ loves us, the Bible said, with an everlasting love. He loved us before the foundation of the world. And he's loved us through all the different dispensations and ages of history. And he'll love us for eternity. His love is motiveless. He doesn't have any motive. Other, He just loves us. It's measureless. No way to measure it. And and it's it's a wonderful truth about how much he loved us. And here he speaks to Israel. Israel has rebelled against God and they've gone into captivity. And he is addressing that situation. Sometimes people have a tendency to blame God for their problems. And that either God did it on purpose or God let them down in some way. We're no different than Israel. Israel's the same way. You've read the history of Israel and you've looked at their life and you see how they rebelled against God, how they turned to idols. And yet in their mind, many of them are blaming God for what happened. Now, I don't understand all that God does. His thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. And a lot of things happen. Dr. B.R. Lakin used to have a message on why, why bad things happen to good people. And I, I, it was a great message. But I'll be honest with you, I don't have all the answers. I know a lot of good people who've gone through some difficult times. I don't understand all those. But I can tell you this. Regardless of what's going on in your life, what kind of adversity physically or financially or any other way you're going through, don't blame God for it. God has a purpose. And I don't understand why he does things or why he lets things happen. But I do know this. He loved us so much he gave his son for us. And if he loved us that much, he's not going to let anything happen or anything come in your life or my life that is for our harm. It may be to humble us. It's certainly to help us. But it's going to be for our good and his glory when it's all said and done. And there are repercussions to disobedience. But now look in this passage of scripture. And I want to preach to you for just a few minutes on this thought. Forgiveness or fire. Forgiveness or fire. You understand what I'm talking about as we go through. Look in chapter number 50. Thus saith the Lord, where is the bill of your mother's divorcement whom I have put away? Or which of my creditors is it uh, to whom I sold you? Behold, for your iniquities have you sold yourselves. And for your transgressions is your mother put away. And then he goes on. Wherefore? When I came, was there no man? When I called, was there none to answer? In my hand, is my hand shortened at all that I cannot redeem? I have 
and, and have I no power to deliver? Behold, at my rebuke, I drop the seas. I make the river a wilderness. Their fish stink because there's no water and, and die for thirst. I've clothed the heavens with blackness and I made sackcloth their covering. The Lord hath given me the tongue of the learned and I, that I should know how to speak a word in season to him that is weary. He awakeneth morning by morning. He wakeneth mine ear to hear as the learned. The Lord hath opened mine ear and I was not rebellious, neither turned away back. I gave my back to the smiters and my cheek to them that plucked off the, the hair. I hid not my face from shame and spitting for the Lord God will help me. Therefore shall I not be confounded. Therefore have I set my face like a flint and I know that I shall not be ashamed. He is near that justifieth me. Who will contend with me? Let us stand together. Who is mine adversary? Let him come near to me. Behold, the Lord will help me. Who is he that should condemn me? Lo, they all shall wax old as a garment, and the moth shall eat them up. Who is among you that feareth the Lord, that obeyeth the voice of his servant, that walketh in darkness and hath no light? Let him trust in the name of the Lord, and stay upon his God. Behold, all that kindle a fire, that compass yourselves about with sparks, walk in the light of your fire and in the sparks that ye have kindled. This shall ye have of my hand. Ye shall lie down in sorrow. I want to bow together once again for prayer. You pray with me. Heavenly Father, I ask now the Holy Spirit of God to give anointing. I father such a great crowd here in the auditorium this morning and such a wonderful privilege to be able to preach to the vast radio audience and internet audience literally around the world. And I pray God the Holy Ghost this morning would help me, give me your anointing, fill me with the power of the Holy Spirit. And God, I pray that God shall speak to the hearts of men, women, boys, and girls. And I pray God that you'd give us special anointing to your word. God, I pray you draw some by your grace this morning that they might know Christ and have their sins forgiven. I pray that God's people could be greatly encouraged and blessed from the word of God. And God, I bow before you and confess there's no good thing in me, but God, apart from your anointing this morning, nothing of eternal value take place. God, I pray, Father, that you speak to my heart now and, I, and Lord, speak through me to your people in Jesus' name. Amen. In this wonderful passage of scripture, here we have that great gospel story. This morning, Brother Ricky in the assembly read once again, John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoso believed in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. But I want you to turn to another passage in the gospel of John. Look in the first chapter of the gospel of John. Because I believe that, that this part of chapter 1 of the Gospel of John is very parallel to what I've just read to you here in this passage of Scripture. Listen to what it says. And I want to begin the reading with verse 1 to get down to where I want to read in verses 11 through 13. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shined in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Now, would you skip over, please, to verse 11. And he came unto his own, and his own received him not. But to his many as received him, the name gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believed on his name, which were born, not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. 
And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. In this passage of scripture, he gives an account of the coming of our Lord and how that he came into his own meaning, Israel, and they rejected him. In this passage of scripture, I want you to note in the first place in chapter number 50, the reason for their judgment. Why did they go into judgment? He, he starts off by saying, now, is it my fault? I want you to prove it. It's my fault. If, if I have disowned you, if I have done that, I should have written your bill of divorcement. And so where's that bill of divorcement? Where's the proof that I have disowned you? But the truth of the matter is God never failed us, but we failed him. And they, and God didn't, didn't bring all this on them. They brought it on their self. They created their own problem. Here's the reason for it. Why is it that they are going through such judgment? He gives two reasons. Notice in verse number one, he says this in the latter part, behold, your iniquities, uh, behold for your iniquities, have you sold yourselves and for your transgressions is your mother put away. He said, it's because of your disobedience, because of your sin. And m most of our own problem we create for ourselves. And he says to Israel, it's because of that. But then further in verse number two, he said, when I came and called, there was no answer. He said, is my arm shortened that I cannot say? And he said, is, is my hand shortened that I cannot say? And you see, not only did their, their sin lead them into judgment, but the rejection of redemption. And so when a person dies and they are separated from God, is it because God throwed them out? Is it because God uh, disowned them? Is it because God rejected them? No, it's not. The reason men suffer and the reason there's judgment is because of sin. But there's a second reason. It's because of refusal to accept the remedy to accept what God's got for you. And he said, I've called and my hand's still able to say, but you wouldn't accept it. And so here, here's a person who is alienated from God by sin, but God's provided for that sin to be taken care of. But they rejected him and he, they have rejected what he wanted. And here, that reason's given to us clearly in that passage of scripture. It's because of your sin. He said, you sold yourself into slavery. You've done that. You rejected me. He came into his own and his own received him not. They wouldn't receive him. They wouldn't accept him. But now notice the reaction of the Savior. People see God as this. He's a mean old God up there. And, and he says, you've got to do this. You've got to do that. If you don't do it, I'm going to put you in hell. But now watch this. Notice this, how, how the Holy Ghost of God expresses that in verse number 13. I have clothed the heaven with blackness and made sackcloth the covering. Let me explain to you the scene here. This is a scene of a funeral. It's a scene of sorrow. It's a scene of sadness. He said, because of your sin and because you would not let me save you, because you would not respond to me. He said, I've made the heavens black. I've covered them with sackcloth garments of weeping. God has no pleasure in the death of the ungodly. God's not pleased for men who reject him and die and go to hell. He, he's, the Bible said, precious in the eyes of the Lord of the death of the saints. It's not a bad thing when a saint leaves this world. But when a person leaves in their sin and leaves rejecting the Savior, it's like the whole of heaven's in mourning. They could have been saved. They could have went to heaven. They could have had their sins forgiven. They can have forgiveness or fire. But they're the one who made that decision. Isn't that a sad thing? Here's his reaction. I want you to understand 
that he said, I have no pleasure in the death of the ungodly. He drapes all of glory with sackcloth when somebody rejects him and dies and goes to hell. A sign of repentance, a sign of mourning, a sadness. And that's his reaction to their, their sin. But now notice, I want you to notice his readiness, his readiness to hear. Notice what he says in, in this passage of scripture. Look at verse number four. The Lord hath given to me the tongue of learning that I should know how to speak a word in season to him that is weary. And to wa- uh, he waketh morning by morning. He waketh mine ear to hear as to learn. The Lord hath opened my ear and I was not rebellious, neither turned away back. He said, my ears were open. He said, I know exactly what you need. He said, I have the, I, I, I'm learned God, the Lord Jesus Christ knows what you need. He knows what, what is in your heart. He knows the longing of your life. He knows the burden you're carrying. And he said, I know how to meet that need. I can speak to your need. I can meet that need. And he said, I'm listening for your call. Call upon me and I'll answer thee and show thee great mighty things. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, then I'll hear from heaven. I'll forgive their sins. I'll heal their land. He's listening. Notice his readiness to save. He, he wants to redeem. He wants to save. He's ready. He knows how to do it. And he's listening and waiting. And he did that for Israel until the very day that the Assyrians came and took the northern kingdom into captivity. And the Babylonians came later and took the southern kingdom to that very day. He said, I was waiting. I was listening for you to call. And you never called. You never responded. You never turned to me. Oh, but he was also ready. And you and I, in the hour you're living in, God's willing to save to the uttermost all who call upon him. He's able to do that and willing to do that. If you'll but call. I think of that passage of scripture I quoted almost every Sunday. And it's a visual picture in my mind and heart of Jesus on a mountain looking over the city of Jerusalem. And the Bible said he wept. And he said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that stonest the prophets, how often would I gather you to gather as a hen, gather as a chick, but you would not. They would not come. And my dear friend, I hope that's not your case today. I hope you're not in that situation where you would not. Now, keep in mind, I'm reading to you something that was written 2,700 years ago, but it was 700 years before Christ came. And watch what happens now. Not only his willingness to save, but I want you to notice the ransom that was paid. He says in verse number five, in that last phrase, I was not rebellious, neither turned away back. The Savior came, the Bible said, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And the Lord Jesus Christ lived a sinless life, 33 and a half years. And just prior to his crucifixion, he went into a garden and he wrestled there and great sweat drops of blood fell from his brow. And he said this, not my will, but thine be done. He said, I did not turn back. He said, I was obedient to the Father. God the Father sent me to taste death for all men, to be made sin for all the human mankind. And he said, I was not rebellious. And he said, I did not turn back. Aren't you glad he didn't turn back? Aren't you glad he, he went straight to Calvary? Aren't you glad, thank God, that we went by the way of the cross, but he went to the cross to suffer and bleed and die for us? But notice further, I gave my back to the smiter and my cheek to them that plucked off the hair. And I hid not my face from shame and spitting. That's, that's our Lord. You remember that passage of scripture? The Bible said they mocked him. They put that, that purple robe on him and they beat him with, with a rod. They put a crown of thorns in his brow. They pulled out his beard and they spit upon him. 
They spit upon the creator of this world. They spit upon the one who fashioned and formed them in the womb. They spit upon the one who loved them before the foundation of the world. They spit upon the one who would hang on that cross and suffer and bleed and die. And on that cross, pray for them and say, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Oh, listen, notice the ransom that was paid. All of that humiliation, being clothed in human flesh and suffering the death of the agony and the agony of the cross. Listen, he said this. He said, I gave my back to the smiters. I, I, he, he was beat with that cat of nine tails. And they, they literally ripped the flesh from his bones. And he was beaten so bad. The Bible says his visage was so marred. That means that his face was swollen. You may have seen people who've been in a horrific accident and their face and their body has swollen cuts and bruises that you hardly even recognize them. You don't even know who they are. Well, that's what happened. And Jesus was so severe that he didn't even recognize him as being a human being. What an awful, awful thing. When you see that picture of Christ on the cross and he's got blonde hair and, and he's, he seems uh, just, just a little bit of blood on his hands, a little bit on his feet. That's not what he looked like. Oh, listen, he was beat. And he said, I was willing to suffer all that shame. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even the death of the cross, the ransom that was paid. And he said, why? Why was he willing to do that? Why, why was he willing to do that? Notice what he said. He said, the Lord will help me. He knew that the Father would be there with him. Although he cried, Father, he said, my God, my God, why has thou forsaken me? God was still with him. The Father was still with him. And the Father took him. And God accepted that sacrifice of sin. He knew this. He knew also that eventually all of his enemies would be destroyed. And he knew this. He knew that. He, notice what it says in the last part of verse 7. I have set my face like a flint. And I know that I shall not be ashamed. That word ashamed means disappointed. Disappointed. He wasn't going to be disappointed with the results of Calvary. He wasn't going to be disappointed that people uh, that he suffered and bled and died for. I want to thank God that I was able to come and get saved. I want to thank God that God saved me and God did that for me. And for many of you here in the building and in the radio audience, he's not disappointed. And he knew this, that he'd not be disappointed. The ransom that was paid. Notice the resolve of his heart. He said this, I, I set my face like a flint. Nothing would deter him from Calvary. He came intending to die. He didn't, it wasn't a change in course. It wasn't the fact that they rejected him and, 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 and his whole grand plan disintegrated and his disciples left him and the Jews turned against him and Rome uh, crucified him. That, that wasn't all a mishap. That was all part of the plan. And God did that. And he said, I set my face like a flint. His resolve to go to Calvary, he, he determined that that's where he's going. I came not to be ministered to, but to minister and to give my life a ransom. He came to suffer and bleed and die. And he's resolved to do that. Nothing to deter him. Nothing to change him. He's coming to do that. He's coming to do that. Look over at Isaiah 53. And I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. I simply want to read this. And you're hearing most of it this morning. Look in Isaiah 53. I'm talking about the ransom that was paid and the resolve that he had. Who hath believed our report and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed. He shall grow up before him as a tender plant, as a root out of dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there's no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely hath borne our grief and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes... 
we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone into his own way. And the Lord hath laid upon him the iniquitous of all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He's brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before his shearer is dumb. So he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. Who shall declare his generation? For he's cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people was he stricken. He made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Because he had done no violence, neither was any any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. Watch this. He shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied by the knowledge of my righteous servant. Uh, by, uh, by the knowledge of my righteous servant, just by many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I would divide with him a portion with the great and he shall divide the spoil with the strong because he poured out his soul unto death and he was numbered with the transgressors. And he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. The remedy or the redemption that was purchased. Here he gave his soul a ransom. And it's pictured for us in chapter number 50 as well. But now note quickly, if you will, please. Not only the ransom that was paid. But now notice the remedy that is offered. And he said this. Who is among you that feareth the Lord? That obeyeth the voice of his servant. That walketh in darkness and hath no light. Let him trust in the name of the Lord and stay upon his God. That's a simple thing, isn't it? That's a simple thing. To trust in the name of the Lord. To, to, to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. To stay on him. That's the way he made it possible. Here they are in this awful predicament. And he said, I'm coming to, I, I'm sending my, my Savior, my, my Messiah's coming. And he said, if you'll just listen to his voice. And if you'll just trust him and call upon him. He'll save you. If you'll but just believe in his name and stay upon his God, trust his name. You can trust his name. Why? Because there's not another name given among men whereby you must be saved. It's that name of Jesus. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God shall not see life. I'm thinking about that extended hand back over in chapter 50 and in, in verse number uh, 2. He says that his hand's not shortened, that he cannot redeem. He said, I'm, I'm, short means I've not drawn it back. It's still extended. I've not drawn my hand back from you. It's still extended. Here's a hand that offers forgiveness. Here's a hand that offers redemption. But now look at the last verse. Here's the ruin of those who will not respond. And notice what it says in this passage of Scripture. Behold, all you that kindle a fire and that compass yourself about with sparks. That has to do with their own trying to build their own way to heaven. Some people say in a Jewish tradition, it speaks of traditions of men and, and their teaching uh, of their religious beliefs. They're trying to build their own fire and they're trying to do that. And he said, you, you're the one who kindled the fire. And he said, he said, you've done that. This shall ye have of my hand. You shall lie down in sorrow. He said this, you can either have the fire or you can have forgiveness. And both of them is going to come by my hand. You can either know him as your Savior and Lord or you can be forever in hell. 
But you see, the problem is this. His hand's still extended and he still wants to save to the uttermost all that call upon him. He still wants you to be born again. He still wants you to be saved. But that same hand, one day you'll be in hell for all eternity. You can either have forgiveness or you can have fire. I'm glad today that that love that was extended, God's Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and I'm glad I was able to trust him. I'm glad I did trust him. And many in this building today have done the same thing. They've heard the same message you've heard today, a simple message that Jesus Christ loved. And he said, if you'll believe on his name, if you'll trust him, he'll give you everlasting life. Will you do that today? You say, Brother Billy, that's way too simple. No, it's exactly the way he made it. He made it so whosoever will may come. He made it so anybody could be saved by the grace of God. And my question to you is today, will you receive that by his hand? His hand's not short. His hand's not drawn back. He's still able to save to the uttermost all that call upon him. If you'll believe the gospel, would you bow your heads in prayer this morning? We every head bowed, every eye closed. And while we're praying this morning, I wondered this morning, do you realize that the problem is not what God's done to us? It's what we've done to ourselves. He told Israel that. He said, it is your transgressions that have brought judgment. And it's your rejection of me. And my dear friend, you can know him today. A lot of people in this building know Christ. You've been saved by the gospel. I want to remind you that I've just read to you something that was written 2,700 years ago. Boy, the more I thought about that this week, it's an unchanging message, isn't it? That sin has consequence. But he said, I set my face like a flint. I gave my back to the smiters. I was willing to endure the shame of the cross, the spittle. I was willing for them to pull my beard from my face. I did all of that for you. And now, if you'll believe on my name, you can be saved. It's not by works of righteousness which be done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. This morning, many of you have thought about Valentine and about love. And Ricky did a great job in the opening assembly. And he's exactly right. And the song that Miss Norma sang is exactly right. And Brother Danny, there's never been a place or time, never been a card written or a song sung that could express better the love of God than what was expressed at Calvary when he gave his own son. And I'd say to you that he wanted you saved. And so he didn't say you've got to do this or do that or do the other. It's not by works of righteousness which we've done. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. My dear friend, it's available to you today. How many of you could say today, Brother Billy, I'm thankful for the love of my family, thankful for the love of my spouse, thankful for the love of God's people. But I can say this morning that the greatest love I ever experienced was when I came to Jesus and I felt that redeeming, forgiving love that made me a child of the King and a son of God. I want to raise my hand this morning and thank Him. Will you do that? For that love that redeemed me and I know I'm going to heaven. If you know you're going to heaven and you've been redeemed by that love, just raise your hand and worship in for a moment. God bless you. You may put your hands down. 
I don't know what to do other than preach the gospel. I've been doing it these 42 years now. And I'm glad that there's some who hear. I'm glad some who respond. And I want to say to you that what I read to you that was written 2,700 years ago is still true. His arm's not short and that he cannot save. And his ear is still open. And he's still able to speak peace to your heart. And if there's a man or a woman or a boy or girl today who wants to know God in a real way and wants their sins forgiven, he knows you and he'll hear you right now. And I wonder right now, right where you are, would you be willing to give your heart to the Lord? Would you be willing to look to him and say, Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. I know it's my transgressions that have separated me from you. And it's my sin that will bring judgment. But Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me and dying for me. I believe that you died on that cross and bore all my sin. I believe, Lord Jesus, that you were buried and rose again. I believe you're alive now. And I believe, God, your hand is extended. And Lord, right now, I come to you in simple faith. And I believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I receive him now as my Savior and Lord. Come in my heart. Forgive me of all my sin. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for loving me and for dying for me and for saving me right now. Boy, I'm glad the gospel's real. And I'm glad right now if you believe that and you responded in faith, he said the spirit of the living God will come in your heart crying, Abba, Father. We'd sure like to know that. The Bible said you believe in your heart. The Lord Jesus Christ, believe in your heart, confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. I believe you ought to do that. I believe you ought to make a public profession. I believe you ought to let people know you got saved. I want to give you that opportunity.